We welcome you to the ADHD Smarter Parenting Podcast. Here to heal and elevate lives is your parenting coach, Kimber Peterson. Hi, this is Kimber with Smarter Parenting, and I'm excited to dive into this last series of Love Languages with Your Kids. As we wrap up this Valentine season, we wanted to talk to you guys about some ways to approach your kids with love and care and to talk to them and communicate with them in ways that best suit their needs. So we've broken down and we've been talking about the different love languages where you can communicate through your words or through your actions, the ways that you love your kids. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about the last three of the five love languages, and that is gifts, acts of service, and quality time. As we go through these last three love languages, if you want to reflect back on some of the other things that we talked about, like how to understand your child's love language or the best ways to approach the other two love languages, which are words of affirmation and physical touch, then you can see those in our last couple of episodes. We'd also love your input. If you want to engage with us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Smarter Parenting. And we've put up a couple of Valentine challenges for the season and are really interested to hear how trying out different approaches has worked for you and your family. So let's get started. We're going to dive into these last couple of love languages. So the first one that we're talking about today is quality time. Quality time is a great love language, and we want to differentiate a bit between just spending time and spending quality time. You'll find that on our Smarter Parenting website, we use really intentional words. And this is also an intentional word that they've put into the love languages. So that quality in quality time really does convey what you're trying to accomplish. On our website, you'll find things like instead of just praising your kids, use effective praise. You want to use praise that is effective and meaningful. Now, these action words are in there intentionally because you want to be intentional and direct about the way that you're approaching these different ways of communicating with your child. So quality time looks different than just spending time. It shouldn't feel like a checkbox item, and it should be something where you are looking for a connection. There are lots of times where we can interact with one another in ways where we're spending time together or we're having an interaction, but there's no quality, there's no buy-in, my mind is in a different place or um, the other person is distracted, whatever that looks like. And so it may be time spent together, but it's not quality time spent together. So as you approach this love language, I want you to really focus on that word of quality because it makes a big difference in the ways that you move forward with it. So some of the things that you can do with your kids to have quality time with them are to give them your undivided attention. So many times we are listening to our kids or distracted by doing something else, even if that's just social media or a conversation socially. Those are great things for you to have as a parent, but find some times to carve out undivided attention for your children too. Even just a couple of minutes of doing that can make a huge difference. Studies have shown that kids thrive off of at least seven minutes of undivided attention from a loving adult. That makes a big difference in their day and and also your day. So taking that time to pause and just spend seven minutes. Now there's a few ways that you can look at that. Seven minutes can be a long time. It can be a big chunk out of your day, especially if you have six kids. If you've got a big family, the thought of spending at least seven minutes per day with each child individually can be a little bit daunting because you also have school and lunches to pack and houses to clean and cars to take care of and all of the different things that are on your to-do list. 
You can also look at it as I spend seven minutes doing a lot of things and I can crop a minute here or there, or I can take my seven minute activity and I can involve my child. So maybe I need to have a little bit of a break. The the afternoon has been busy and I need a minute. And so my choices are seven minutes of social media or seven minutes of playing a card game with my child. Choose the card game every now and then. Find those ways to give your child your undivided attention and it will make a big difference for both of you. Bring them with you on errands. So I've got two kids that I've talked a lot about in the podcast. Um, Grayson is four and Beckham is two. And Grayson is a home guy, as he likes to say it. He does not like going out to run errands. But Beckham is eager to get out of the house and go do anything and everything with me. And so this is definitely an important one for him. If I bring him to do my errands with me, then it just makes him a bit happier. And he's excited to get out the door. And he loves going to the Target store and the Costco store and all of the different places that we might need to go. Invite them to help you around the house. Now, kids doing chores is often not a super helpful thing, (laughs) but that's not what this is about, right? This is about quality time. This isn't about making the beds in the most effective way. This is about spending time with your child. And so take the chores slower, load the dishwasher twice as long as you normally would, but do it with your child with you. Doing those kinds of tasks together, hand in hand, can help your child be more engaged in helping out in the family, more aware of their surroundings. And also it gives them a little bit of that quality time with you. While you guys are working on that task or chore, you guys can have a great conversation or you can ask them about their interests or you guys could play a game about different things that you spot or who can unload the silverware faster. Find ways to laugh and be silly about what you're doing and that will make a world of difference in the experience that you have. Now, the dishwasher is not going to get loaded the fastest that it ever has, and the laundry is not going to be perfect if your child helps you fold it, but the quality time will be spent together. You can also take walks together. Um, This can be a good way to break up your day, especially if you're feeling overwhelmed. A lot of times a parent that's feeling overwhelmed needs to pause, pause their frustration, their anger, their busyness, whatever that looks like, pause and just take a couple of minutes to do something different and it can turn your whole day around. So pause to take a walk or pause to play a game, whatever that looks like in your family. Find opportunities to laugh and be silly about things. So as you go through these opportunities to laugh are going to come up here and there and make a game, make it funny, make it fun. Play games, little card games and different things that you may have around the house to help make it engaging for your children. I love the game Spot It. It's a little card game and you find matches in different items that are on the card game and they do lots of different themes. But this is a great game for me to have laying around my house in convenient areas so that I can pause and play a game really quickly. Turn mundane tasks into quality time by pausing to look at the stars or have one-on-one conversations or any of those kinds of details, which we've talked about a little bit in these other bullet points. So one of the key features of quality time is actually engaging with your child through a couple of different things. One is what we like to call quality components. So it's the components of your conversation. It's the features and the nonverbals of how you're embracing that conversation and your communication with your child. This involves things like giving them eye contact or getting down on their level if you're talking to them and they're shorter than you. It involves things like your voice tone, how loud, how high, how soft. It involves your physical touch. You might put your hand on their arm or make eye contact with them. Those are all really important nonverbals that go into this quality part of quality time. The other piece is how to use conversations effectively. So in Smarter Parenting, we break down this skill of effective communication so that you can 
really start to learn the pattern of how to communicate well with your child and in turn teach them how to communicate well with you. So let's break down for a minute the steps of effective communication. So step one, look at your child who's talking and pay attention to what he or she is saying. Step two, once your child is finished speaking, use their words to describe what you understood. So in essence, repeat it back to them, but use their words. Step three, ask your child if what you said was what they meant. They'll correct you if you're wrong. Step four, in a calm manner, state your side or your thoughts on the subject. Step five, they need to repeat what they heard. Affirm if they're correct or correct them if they're mistaken. And step six, come to a solution if appropriate. Sometimes this effective communication is about a back and forth of communication rather than a, a transaction or a problem solving situation. So when you treat it that way, your conversation can become really connecting. I have a two-year-old that I mentioned earlier, and I've shared this story recently, but I don't think it was on the podcast, so I'll share it again. I was in the car with my two-year-old, and he was talking up a storm. He's a very chatty little boy, <laughs> and he was chatting up a storm, and I was driving, and he's sitting behind me, and I am focused on other things. I'm thinking about you know, what we're having for dinner, and I'm driving the car. So I'm paying attention to what other cars on the road and, and all of these different things. And I'm hearing him jabber on in the back. And I had responded a little bit, but after a minute, I heard him say, mom, listen to me. And it was so interesting to hear how he could see how passively I was involved in the conversation. I was not engaged. I was responding a little bit to a comment that he would make here or there, um, but it was kind of just to keep him entertained. It was not to have a conversation with him. And when he said that, I realized it really does matter to him when I am fully listening and giving him my attention and that he's, he's pretty keenly aware of that, whether he can see me or not. So the rest of our conversation looked a little bit better. Uh, he would say something and I would use the skill of repeating back in his words what I understood. And he would tell me what he said. And, and this was really effective, especially for my two-year-old, because he's still forming his words. And sometimes I don't understand. And the words that I think he said are not what he said. And he's quick to correct me if I'm mistaken. And really good at letting me know when I'm correct. And then I can give my side and he can say it too. And maybe we're looking for cars or maybe we are um, talking about his preschool day. Whatever that looks like, that conversation can flow a lot more smoothly if I use this skill of effective communication and he feels the difference. So the next topic that we're going to go over is gifts. This is another of the love languages and gift giving is an interesting love language in here. And I think a lot of people struggle with it because automatically you're thinking about the expense and the need and the stress that goes behind gift buying. I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle with buying gifts for people. I love to buy gifts when it's a, I saw this in the store and I thought of you kind of gift. But when it is a kind of socially expected gift, a birthday gift, a Christmas gift, those kinds of things, I stress a little bit. I buckle under that <laughs> and I want it to be meaningful. I don't want to just grab something off a shelf because it's Christmas time. I don't want to give a gift just because I want to give a gift for a reason. And so I've always struggled with that. But this love language is really helpful in understanding the variety in what this gift giving love language really has. So choose small or inexpensive tokens or handmade presents to give to other people. My kids, any kids really, love to pick up little tokens here and there. My son picked up a rock earlier this morning, picking flowers, those kinds of things, those little thoughtful gifts. They'll do it to you and you can do it back too. 
Choose gifts that fit their interests. Consider things like, you know, what do they enjoy doing and uh, what kinds of needs do they have? You can build a collection together. And this is a really fun back and forth gift. It's a way that you can bond with one another over things that you've seen. And if you're not buying the collection, that's okay too. Maybe you're just taking pictures of the collection. Maybe you both want to collect the strangest shaped rocks you can find, but you also don't want to have a living room full of rocks. So every time you guys find a strange rock, you take a picture of it together. Or with an older child, maybe they take a picture and they send it to you and you take a picture and you send it to them. And there's some of that. I was thinking of you. I saw this today. You can keep a chart or use stickers to record their achievements. Kids that care about this gift-giving love language really respond well to charts and stickers and those kinds of things that help manage their accomplishments. In the process of that, I challenge you to expand your definition of accomplishment to not just uh, an achievement, but also to the intention or the um, effort that went behind it so that your child is learning about the importance of those things as well. You could make your child a special treat, something that matters to them, or do it together if you want to combine a couple of those love languages. You can prepare their favorite meals. You could gather nature items or flowers to give them just, just because, just because you wanted to. You can frame a photo of the two of you together or give them a book that you can read together. You could also go to the library and check out books that you think that they would like. There's lots of free things that you can do within this gifts. Now, the last one that we're going to go over is acts of service. And this one's a fun one. It's one that I've been reflecting on a lot re recently because my son, that's four years old, he's never been super independent. He's never gone through that phase where he needs to buckle himself or any of those kinds of things. He's turning five soon, and he still asks me to do a lot of basic things for him that he could do himself. For a little while, it was getting pretty frustrating. Like, I know that he could do it himself. He just doesn't want to, and he would rather that I do it for him until I started realizing kind of some of the pattern behind that and realize that this is a love language to him. One of the ways that he wants to see me showing love for him is through acts of service and for doing things for him and with him. So this includes things like carrying them to bed if they're small enough or just tucking them in at night, um, making them a drink and bringing it to them. It could be getting them ready for the day or other simple tasks so that they could otherwise do themselves, like doing their shoes for them or helping them with their jacket or helping them prepare their lunch those kinds of things that they might be capable of themselves, but they appreciate you doing it for them. You could make a list of your favorite things to do with them, and you could do a chore maybe that they would normally do. So my son's in charge of helping unload the dishwasher, and he does all of the kids' cups and everything, and he does all of the silverware for the whole family. I do the glass plates and the glass cups, but other than that, he puts about just about everything away. And sometimes if I do that chore for him and let him know that I took care of it so that he didn't have to worry about it, that's a really good way to just break things up a little bit, change it, and, and show him that I'm serving him. He's also pretty mindful of ways that he could serve others. And so sometimes when I see myself do that and let him know that it's done, he'll do things like go and make his brother's bed and pass kind of some of that service along. You can brush their hair or do other self-care tasks that are affectionate or nurturing. So brushing their hair, braiding their hair, helping them with their nails. You can organize their closet or their room or an area that they needed help with. And you could also do homework together. 
homework is a conversation that we have with a lot of parents. As parenting coaches, we come across different struggles with homework. And a lot of times it comes back to expectations. And every now and then we work with a family where we see that the expectations really lie in that the parent thinks the child can do this by themselves. And the child thinks I'd rather do it together. So finding a good balance of what that looks like and what's possible in your family and, and what you can make work together is really important. But breaking down some of those communication barriers can make a big difference in understanding what and why your child might be struggling with something. So asking yourself some questions about any of these love languages or why a certain pattern has been going on that's maybe irritating you or you don't understand and relating it back to some of this communication that we've talked about, these love languages, can be helpful in problem solving and breaking down some communication blocks or errors that you're having in your family. And once you start to identify those problems, using the skill of effective communication is going to make a big difference in your ability to resolve those problems. So to go back through those steps one more time, the first step is to look at your child who's talking and to pay attention to what he or she is saying. Step two, once they're finished speaking, use their words to describe what you understood. Step three, ask your child if that's correct. They'll correct you if you're wrong. Step four, in a calm manner, state your thoughts on the subject. And step five, they also need to repeat it back and you can affirm that they're right or correct them if they're wrong. And step six, come to a solution. And if not, repeat these steps and use the skill of problem solving in order to break it down further. By doing some of this communication with your child and by trying out breaking down your conversations in this pattern, you will see a difference in your understanding of your child and your child's understanding of you. You can also apply this skill to many other people in your life, including your spouse, your family, your siblings, your friends, whoever is around you. These communication tools are simple, but they make a big difference. So we challenge you to give this a shot this week and to try using effective communication in your family, explore some of these love languages that we've gone over, and enjoy communicating in different ways and in different styles with those that you love. Have a great week. <laughs>